There's an old comedy movie uh, with Jack Nicholson in it, and he plays Buddy, a therapist to Adam Sandler's character, Dave, who is going through therapy. And they are sitting in a group therapy session for the first time, and Buddy asks Dave, so Dave, tell us about yourself. Who are you? And Dave answers, well, I'm an executive assistant for a major pets product company. Dave, I don't want you to tell us what you do. I want you to tell us who you are. Oh, all right. I'm a pretty good guy. I like to play tennis on occasion. Again, not your hobbies, Dave. Just tell us who you are. Maybe you could give me an example of what a good answer would be. Dave, you want me to tell you who you are? No, it's just I... I'm an easygoing man. Dave, you're describing your personality. I just want you to tell me who you are. And obviously Dave, upset at this point, shouts, I don't know what you want me to say. Maybe you're in the same boat right now. Because <laughs> if I turn the question back to you and say, who are you? How do you answer that question? There are so many different ways that we attempt to answer it in our lives. And there's so many different paths that we can try to figure it out. So actually, I think to make it a little easier is that we need an example. I know in school, I always like to use examples to find out what a good answer would be. So let's use the example that John the Baptist gives us. Because he gets asked the very same question, who are you? So what does John say about himself what, when he's asked this question? Well, look back at verses 19 through 21. The Jews sent some priests and Levites from Jerusalem, and they asked him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And so just going through that list, he, he kind of said no and denied all of them. But, but first they ask, are you the Christ? Are you the savior? Are you the one to rescue God's people? Are you the one to free us? And he said, no. And so they asked, well then, are you Elijah? And, and what this is referenced to is actually from the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. It's actually from the last chapter of the Old Testament in which it says, Elijah will come before the Lord comes. And so they ask, are you that one? Are you, are you Elijah? Are you coming before the Lord? And he says, no. And so they ask, are you the prophet? And the prophet is from Deuteronomy 18 in which Moses says, I will not always lead the, you people. I will not always be here, but a the prophet is coming who is the very word of God. And so they ask, are you the prophet? Are you the word of God? And John again says no. But what, by them asking these kind of questions, what does this say about what John has been doing? He's doing or at least getting the attention of that of a Christ, of an Elijah, or that of a prophet. He's been incredibly successful, and he's had multiple disciples. He's, he's, he's gathered crowds. He has the attention of the religious leaders of the day that he is doing works such as the Christ, the prophet, or Elijah. And yet, what does John say about himself when asked these questions? Look back at verse uh, 20. He confessed. It is, it, it, he did not deny. It's not a simple no, but he made sure. He made it explicit. He confessed. I am not the Christ. And not only am I not the Christ, but look at verse 27. He, he even 
is so humble or the way that he views himself, he says, look, I, I'm not even worthy to, to untie the strap of the sandal who comes after me. And, and in those days, re remember, this is a desert community. This is, this is not the sanitary standards that we have of today. So people were walking around in filth all day long. And when they would get back to their homes or when they went and visited someone, the lowliest of lowly servants in the household was the one to untie the sandals, was the one to wash the people's feet, to take care of them. And so this is the lowliest position on the totem pole. This is the one that no one wants to be. And John is saying, I'm not even worthy of that position. I'm not even worthy to be in the household of my master. I'm not even worthy to be in a relationship with this master. I'm not even able to be a servant of his. And what John is showing us is actually a perfect picture of who he is, who God is, and how we know who we really are. Because look, John is actually going against the general idea of society that we have right now, which is don't try to figure out who you are outside yourself. Just look inside. Find the truth within you. Look within you. Just decide for yourself who you are. And John is actually not doing that. John doesn't say, I'm looking inside myself. He's actually taking himself and looking outside of himself and saying, there is a God. There is a God, and in my relationship with that God, I am not the Christ. I am not worthy to be in a relationship with this God. And, and recognize that what John is doing is he's looking at all the things to come, and, and they, they ask him, are you the Christ? And he said, I'm not the Christ. The Christ who is coming is going to perform miracles. He's going to save the people. I'm not even close to that. And obviously, John is looking in the past as well and saying, wait, this is the God of the universe who created everything, who set the world into motion, who saved people time and time again. And he's saying, I can't even be a servant to this God because of how great this God is. And obviously, John, John is looking at himself and he's saying, wait, this is the God who created me. This is the God who made me. And I'm so much more lowly than he is. I can't even compare to who he is. And what this tells us is there, there actually needs to be something outside of ourselves that tells us who we are. And that's not unreasonable. Look, when I wake up in the morning, I look at something to tell me what I look like. It's a mirror, right? We all wake up. We need, we need something outside of ourselves to show us who we are. To, to, to say, this is what I look like. This is who I am. And so to answer the question, who are you, we need the right mirror. We need the right perspective. And this is why we all struggle with this, is because we struggle with which perspective is right. Is it myself? Do I need to look within my own heart and say, what am I? Who am I? No, that's not the right perspective. It, and, and at the same time, we try these other perspectives in which we say, all right, well, let me, let me focus on what other people say about me. But we've all had people in our life say that we're worthless. We've all had people in our life tell us that, that we are bad, that, that we don't deserve to live. And so if you take those perspectives, what is, what is your view of yourself? I'm worthless. I'm weak. And at the same time, though, there's, there's people who puff us up, or, or we puff ourselves up, and we look around and we go, I am great. <laughs> I look at all these people and I say, I'm better than that person and that person and that person, and I, I'm more successful and I have more money. I'm a great person. But that's the wrong perspective as well, and we know it. 
These are all wrong mirrors. These are all the wrong perspectives. The only person that John is looking at to tell him who he is is who? It's God. He doesn't allow anyone else to tell him who he is. Not himself. He doesn't say, this is who I am because I declare it for myself. It's not the crowds who are obviously giving John a bunch of praise of saying, look how great this person is. Look how much attention he is. He doesn't say, look how great I am. It's not the Pharisees who are coming questioning him and saying, are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? John is saying, no, I'm not. That, those are not the right perspectives. Only God. What does God say about me? And so the question for us this morning is when you get asked the question, who are you, how do you respond? And maybe a better question to follow up with that would be, who do you look at to tell you who you are? And to get a proper view of ourselves, we need a proper mirror, we need a proper perspective, and the only perspective that is valid is God's. The only person who can truthfully tell you who you are is the one who created you the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who knit you in your mother's womb, the one who made you for a purpose, that is the only person who's going to be able to tell you who you truly are. And that's God. And so our response needs to be the same as John's, though. When we say, who am I, when I look at the Lord, we need to respond. I am not the Christ. I am not the Savior. And I'm not even, un I am unworthy to tie his sandal. I am unworthy to be a servant of the Lord. My worthiness does not come from within me. Me next to the Lord, <laughs> I, can't, I can't make my hands far enough apart of who I am when I look at the Lord. But John just saying no to the comparisons isn't enough. Him just saying, I'm not these things, I'm not worthy is not enough because the people in this passage demand an answer. So in the end, who does John actually say he is? Look at verse 22 and 23. So they say to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He says, I am a voice. For who? The Lord. See, John has a proper view of himself. In light of who God is, John says, I, I am lowly. I am, I am unworthy to be a servant. And yet he's doing things that we would say demand confidence, demand strength, de demand power in order to do. He has this gathering because he's doing something in which he's, he's, he seems to be a person of worth. So how does this work together? And let's look at one of those things that he's doing. Look, he's, he's performing baptisms. And, and listen, the washing with water was not unusual at that time. It was this, this act of a spiritual cleansing in which they would use water to spiritually cleanse themselves. So, for example, as they were walking up to the temple, they would, they would be washing themselves and saying, I am spiritually unclean and I need to become clean in order to go to the temple. And, and actually, later on in one of the Gospels, the disciples will get in trouble because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. And not for sanitary reasons, but because spiritually, the Pharisees would say they were unclean. And so there's many types of this washing that took place in the, in the passage and in the Old Testament. But what was unusual about John's baptism here is that in the midst of call, calling for baptism, he was calling for the people for repentance. 
And he wasn't just saying, those people need to repent. He wasn't just saying, listen, you know who the sinners are, they need to repent. No, 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 what he was saying was, all of you need to repent. All of you need to turn away from your wickedness. And all of you need to be baptized as a form of purification. So John is saying in the one hand, I am, I am unworthy. I am the unworthy servant in the presence of the Lord. And yet at the same time, he's proclaiming and doing things of incredible importance. And when you put those two together, that actually flies completely in the face of what society expects and demands, right? Because what do we expect? We would say, you need to be a person of worth in order to talk, <laughs> to have a platform. You, if you are going to lead people, you better be a worthy leader. You better have some worth behind you. And not only that, but the people in this passage say the same thing. They say, if you are not these things, if you are not the Christ, if you are not Elijah, if you're not the prophet, then why are you doing this? <laughs> why are you doing these things if you're not a person of worth? And, and sadly, this is an idea that we hold too fast as well. Because look, this passage is calling us to be a voice for the Lord. This is saying we are to go out and share the good news of the gospel, to share the good news of the Lord. But here's the thing is a lot of times we believe that we have to be worthy on our own before we can do that. We believe that we have to be worthy of the questions that we're going to be asked. We have to have the right answers ready to go in case someone asks us a question about our faith or what we believe. That we have to have worthiness in our answers. Or we believe that I have to be worthy of a relationship with a person before I can tell them about the gospel. That I need to know them long enough. Oh, I've, I've only talked to them a few times. I can't tell them about Jesus. I need, to, I need to be of worth to them in order to share the gospel. Or for most of us, it's this feeling of I'm not worthy to share the gospel because I've done too many bad things. I still struggle with these sins. There's people who know of the bad things I've done. I'm not worthy to be a voice for the Lord. We need the right answers and the right relationship and the right life in order to share the good news. That's what we believe. And that's what the people believed as well, is why can John say that he is not worthy to be a servant of the Lord and yet he seems to be a voice for the Lord? John says, you need to listen. You need to listen, not because of me, but because of who I represent, because I am a voice of the Lord. You are unclean, you need to repent, you need to be baptized. Listen, and how is that possible? Because it's, he's simply a voice for the one who he represents. Look, look back at the passage, he, he actually makes reference on 20, in verse 23 to Isaiah 40, when he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And what this passage is talking about is that he's calling people to make a path for God himself to come, to redeem his people. He says, make a highway for the Lord. What John is saying is, he is coming. <laughs> the Savior is coming. Divine person is on his way. And, and what John is able to do in this passage is able to say, I am a nobody. Don't look at me, don't focus on me, don't draw attention. I am not worthy of this calling. And yet, he's able, on the other hand, to say, but I have to share it, because I'm a voice of the one who is worthy. Something amazing is coming, something life-changing is coming. The Lord himself is coming, and John is a voice for that authority and power of the Lord. The very one who knows John, the very one who John looks at to see who he is, 
is the very one who is behind John, giving him his worthiness to share the good news, to share the gospel. Because John's voice does not come of any worth from himself, but all the worthiness found in the Lord. And now, just imagine for yourself, what would it look like for you to be a voice for God if you recognized your unworthiness? If you went into every conversation and said, wait a second, I'm not worthy of this conversation, you would have no confidence in your own ability, but, but, you then said, wait a second, the Lord is behind me. The Lord's worthiness and power is behind me. You would be a voice for salvation. Not your own salvation, not your own wisdom, not your own knowledge, but you'd be a voice for the Lord where you'd say, wait a second, I'm sharing the good news with you because of the one who sent me. You would have a voice that goes out with confidence and conviction and strength because it's not based on your own confidence, conviction, and strength. It's based on God's. You'd not be a voice for yourself, but you'd be a voice for the Lord. And you can be that voice. And the struggle for us, though, is how. <laughs> it's easy to say, but how do we actually put this into practice? How do we actually you know, make it go from our minds to our hearts. Because what did we say? We said, who are you? And the answer is, I'm not the Christ. I am not worthy. But then we say, who are you a voice for? And we say, the Lord. So how do we put this together? Because the question comes as such, how can John both be, I am not the Christ, and at the same time, say, I'm a voice for God? <laughs> how is it that John is unworthy to untie a sandal of the Savior, but at the same time worthy enough to baptize and cleanse others. It's because John, the unworthy servant, is given the worthiness of the Savior. In a few days, the very one that John says, I am unworthy to untie a sandal, will be the very one that John baptizes. Jesus, who is the master, will place himself under the servant's water. And through the rest of his life, Jesus will live like this. The master will be performing the work of the servant. The master will be giving his worthiness to the unworthy. And in the very end of his life, who will be the one to untie sandals and wash feet? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who says, my worthiness is now bestowed upon you. Go with my worthiness, go with my power, go with my conviction, go with my strength. I am with you, I am behind you, you are my voice. And even for, for us as new believer dis disciples, we get the same call in Romans 6, 4 where it says, we are buried with Christ by baptism, but we are given a newness of life. We are given the worthiness of Christ. Jesus places his value on you. So where we don't have to go out into the world and say, look what I've done. Look how worthy I am. Look how good I look. Look how much money I have. Look how intelligent I am. Look how well eloquently I speak. Instead, we get to say, I am none of those things. The only reason why I can be a mouthpiece is because of the mouthpiece I am for. I am for the Lord. I am a voice for the Lord. And Jesus actually declares who you are. Because we, if we compare ourselves to the Lord, if we look at the Lord, we have to have the same posture as John and we say, we are not worthy. But when we say to the Lord, but who are we? When I go to God and say, who am I to you? The Lord is the one who gets to say, 
you are my son and you are my daughters and I love you and I care for you and my worthiness is now on you. And what it allows us to do is both be bold and humble at once. And if you have this in your heart, if you don't just think about it in your mind, but if you actually get it down into your heart, then you will have an identity that won't ever crush you, that won't ever be destroyed. Because you will never be weakened by the things of this world. You will never be weakened to the point where someone says, you are worthless, you, you are bad, or, or you will never be weakened by anything because guess what? You've already been weakened. <laughs> You've already said, wait a second, I'm not worthy of anything. I don't deserve anything. And then at the same time, on the opposite end, you won't, you won't ever be in a strive, you won't be in a rat race to gain power because there will be never no, pow no more power to gain. You have the power of the Lord behind you. You've already been given it all from Christ. And who you are, your identity, will only be based on what Jesus Christ says about you. And he says you are loved, and you are cherished, and you are of worth because I, of my worthiness, because I died for you. You are valuable to me. And if you recognize this, you can become a voice for the Lord to the degree in which you are willing to spread the gospel and let God's power flow through you. If you are a voice for the gospel, then it can change the world. And it's a voice that can't be killed because no one's gonna be able to look at you and say, who is this person? They're of no importance. They shouldn't be talking. You'd say, no, 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 <laughs> it's not about me. <laughs> it's about God and what he says. Look, this is, this is a great opportunity to be able to say, look, I am just a 33-year-old dude living in Delaware. In all realistic, worldly sense, why should you listen to me? <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't listen to me for anything of my worth by itself. But you should listen because I'm a voice for the Lord. And you're a voice for the Lord as well. It's not you going out, it's the Lord going out with you that you get to proclaim the good news. There's a story at Redeemer Church in New York City of someone who has started attending the church because someone was a voice in their life. And there was a woman who was uh, early in her journalism career and she messed up pretty badly on a story. And she knew that it was, she was probably gonna get fired. She was probably gonna be let go. She messed up, it would be easier just to kind of have the news agency wipe their hands clean of her and let her go. So she's sitting in her office and she's waiting for her boss to come in and tell her, you know, hey, pack your bags, it's over. But the boss comes in and says, listen, um, don't worry about it, I took care of it. Um, you know, let's just move on to the next story and you know, don't worry about it. And she said, well, wait a second, what happened in there? Like, what, what conversations took place? Why am I not being fired? And he said, oh, well, you know, I took the blame, you know, you know, I have enough clout here, I just took responsibility, but don't worry about it, you know, let's just move on. And she said, no, wait a second, why'd you do that? And he said, oh, well, you know, people do that for each other once in a while. And she goes, no, they don't. This is New York City. No one takes blame for each other. <laughs> why'd you do that? And he said, really, don't worry about it. She goes, no, 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 you have to tell me. And she presses him and presses him. And finally he says, fine, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. The reason why I did it is because I'm a Christian. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> she responded. And he said, well, why don't you come to church with me and you'll, you'll find out. And she heard the gospel. 
She heard the truth that her worthiness was not based on what she did. She, she can climb the corporate ladder. She could mess up every news story. She could get every news story perfect, and it wouldn't matter. Her worthiness is hurt between her and her relationship with the Lord. And what she got to hear is that her worthiness is not based on what she does, but what the Lord says about her, that she is worthy because of what Christ has done, because he saved her, because he took the blame for her, because he died for her sins, so that she may now go out and live a life and be a voice for the Lord. Jesus himself came down and dwelt among us. And putting ourselves next to the Lord, we have to know who we are. We are unworthy servants. But our master is a savior. And he gives us his worthiness so that we may be a voice.